0: God bless you. It's so good to be back again with you today. Thank you so much for coming. We realize it's not always possible to travel to a service somewhere and to fellowship with the other people there, so we bring the service to you wherever you are. We hope you'll be encouraged today as you discover God's peace and His promises for your life. Would you open in your Bibles to the book of Genesis? That's where we've been for a while now. Genesis chapter 12, and that's where we're going to be today. And we'll also put those verses up here in the video for you, just to make it easier for you to follow along. You know, today we're continuing in our journey through the book of beginnings. Ha-sefer-be-reshit. ha Sefer-book. Be-of or in-reshit. Beginnings. The book of the beginnings the book of Genesis and today I'd like to talk to you about simply obeying God. This week we're continuing our introduction to the man named Abraham, Abraham of Ennu, Abraham our father, the father of our faith. God is our true father in heaven but Abraham is called the father of our faith. That's for the Jewish people and also for the Gentiles who believe on the father's Messiah HaMashiach, HaMashiach Yeshua. Aben the Son of God, the Messiah named Yeshua, which in English we call Jesus. And Mashiach, well, that's just the Hebrew word for Messiah. And Christ, well, that's just another word for Messiah in the Greek. So last week we began looking at Abraham's life. And remember that at first he was called Abram, later God's going to rename him to Abraham, and that's the name we know him by today, of course, and Abraham was called the friend of God. But last week, and again this week, we're seeing a man who is really not as perfect as some people think. We tend to look at these patriarchs of the Bible, Abraham, Isaac, Yaakov, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you know him as in English. And we tend to think that they're these people with long flowing hair gently blowing in the breeze and they've got this far away look in their eyes and they're just kind of walking towards you, but they're not really moving their feet. They're like floating above the ground and their face is glowing. That's the way we think of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But the Bible paints a completely different picture of them. Oh, we still respect them. We highly respect them. They're the founders of our faith and the ones whom God called and made the promises to. And it's amazing what God did with these men. And they were men who trusted God, men who had faith in the faithfulness of God. That's a lesson we need to learn from these lives. But they were ordinary lives, ordinary people, just like you and I. Here's what I'm saying. They had problems. They did things wrong from time to time. Do you do things wrong from time to time? Okay, just between you and me, don't let anyone hear. Did you do something wrong this week? You did? I did too. (laughs) We all do. In fact, hardly a minute passes that we don't do something wrong. Even in our minds, we think of wrong things. You see, it's that sin nature that's in man. But thank God for Jesus Christ, because through him, all of our sins, all of our sins, not just the ones in the past, but even the ones that we will do in the future. All of our sins have been atoned for and forgiven because of the blood of the blemish free lamb that was put on the doorposts of our heart. And just like in Passover, in chapter 12 of the book of Exodus, God says, when I see the blood on the doorpost of your house, I will pass over that house and not judge it. And that's the way it is with the Lamb of God, Jesus, the Son of God, who came down to give his life for the world. Abraham believed on him. Isaac Yitzchak, as we'd say it in Hebrew, believed on the promise of the Messiah also. And Yaakov also believed on the promise of the Messiah. In fact, it was through their lineage that the Jewish, Jewish Mashiach, the Jewish Messiah, was going to come. All the prophecies put that Messiah through the limit, lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's why the enemy, through the years, through the centuries and centuries, for thousands of years, the enemy of God has been trying to destroy the Jewish people, to prevent the Messiah from coming. And now that he's come 2,000 years ago and gave his life for the sins of mankind, the enemy is trying to prevent him from coming back and ruling, reigning as Mashiach ben David, or Messiah, the son of David, the King Messiah. Not to die for sins again, but this time to rule and reign in righteousness and to receive all of those who have believed unto him into the kingdom of heaven. So we've been talking about Abraham, and last week we saw that he wasn't perfect. Well, you know, last week we covered chapter 12, verses 1 through verses 9, and we did that, and... Today, I'm actually going to go back over those verses, but only very quickly because there's something else there that I want you to see. And I was thinking about this this week and the Lord brought this to mind and it's really important for you to hear, I believe. So we'll just cover those first nine verses very quickly and then we'll go over all of the other verses in chapter 12. There you go. Now, Pastor Stephen... I don't like the way you said that all of the other verses, I did that just for fun. There's only 10 other verses that we're going to go over. There's only 20 verses in Genesis 12. And so, fasten your seatbelts, here we go. It's good to know that God worked with Abraham, isn't it? Because it shows that he will work with us too. Abraham wasn't perfect. And we don't always have to do the right things and be perfect for God to love us and work with us. That's why the glory and salvation only belongs to God. Let me say that again for my Jewish brothers and sisters who are always trying to keep the Shishmo (laughs) Shaloshesrei Mitzvot. All of you know, right? You're trying to keep these things and you can't even remember the 613 commands. Lest, well, keep them every second of every day of every year of your life. You can't do that. God sees everything you do and he sees everything you think. The wrong things you think. You might not be lusting after that person in your physical life you might not be doing things and committing adultery with them but if you look on that woman to lust after her with your heart jesus said in the sermon on the mount in matthew 5 6 and 7 that you and your thoughts have already committed adultery with her in your mind and here's what we're saying only god is good and only god is perfect and only his salvation is sufficient to cleanse all of your sins the bible in the tanakh speaks all through the tanakh about the salvation being from the lord and you know what it's interesting because the word that it used is a form of yeshua that that's because that's the word of, uh, for salvation in hebrew as well and so when it says salvation is from the lord well guess what that's saying yeshua is from the lord Isn't that interesting? You see, you've been looking all over for it. If you're Jewish, you've been looking for this man, Jesus, to be in the Tanakh somewhere. And he's right in front of you on all of these pages. And you missed it, just like we missed it when he was in the temple. And now the temple no longer stands. So what are you doing for your sins? You can't do the sacrifices at the times of day that they were prescribed to be done in the temple and yet God told you to do this at these times in the temple, at these places, at the temple as it was standing in Jerusalem. And now you can't do those sacrifices for your sins. So what are you doing about your sin? What are you doing for sin? Yeshua, the blemish-free Lamb of God, just like the Passover Lamb, was shed His blood for us so that we might be forgiven through His blood. Just like when God said He saw the blood of the blemish-free lamb on the doorpost of the house. He would pass over that house in judgment again. You see, it all comes back to Pesach. We just celebrated Pesach a few days ago. Celebrated the great salvation that God gave us and deliverance. And today you celebrate it and you're still looking back. But look back also... To the cross because the one in Exodus chapter 12 was talking about the Messiah who would come and as the Lamb of God he would give his blood for you and if you believed on him that blood was applied to the doorposts of your house and when God sees the blood of his blemish-free son his Messiah Yeshua HaMashiach then he will pass over you in judgment here's what I'm saying you no longer have to worry about those 613 commands. You no longer have to worry about doing everything perfectly right. Who's kidding who? You stand on the corners, you wrap your flint, you do your prayers, and you appear to be righteous before everybody, but when you leave after doing that in your heart, you know it's still not right. You know that. Because it's not possible for these actions and works to take away the sins. It's not possible. Where's the blood? What are you doing for the sacrifice? Your rabbis will tell you, oh, well, we call our prayers the names of the sacrifices. Well, that's nice. But where's the sacrifice? Where's the blood that's going to let God look at that blood and pass over you in judgment? You can't ignore that. There's a reason why the temple isn't standing anymore. It wasn't needed anymore. And yet the Bible in the Tanakh says that one day it'll be standing again. But this time it'll be for thanksgiving and offerings of praise to the Lord. Because the sacrifice for sins, once and for all, has already been given. It's already been atoned for, all of those sins through the blood of Jesus Christ God forgives us and he's patient with us in his mercy none of us deserve his favor in fact we really deserve judgment for our sins don't we I think we all agree really really honestly deep down inside we sense that those sins are still there unless God's been forgiving them through his messiah That's why the person of the Messiah is so important. He's not just a person who will bring peace. He'll give peace inside, real peace that stands the test of the storms that swirl around you. God will give you peace that a world can never take away. God will give you peace that will endure peace that lasts. The peace treaties of this world come and go. They're broken, they're made again, and then those ones are broken. But God's peace is there to stay, and that's what the Messiah will give you. God is full of compassion. He's long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should be saved. So He patiently waits, and here's where we get into our message today. He patiently waits for us to trust in His salvation and to be saved through His salvation not works of righteousness that we've done. In fact, the Tanakh says our righteousness is like filthy, dirty rags to God. That's what the Tanakh says. That's what your Jewish Tanakh, that's what that English Old Testament, the same book, that's what they say, that our righteousness is like filthy rags to God. You can make a mud pie for your mother when you're a little child but that's not any good for eating. It's not going to fill you up. It's certainly not going to taste good. It's filthy, and it's disgusting to look at when you think about it as food. That's the way our works of righteousness are, according to the Tanakh, like filthy rags before God. But when God does it, oh, look out. He does it perfectly. All the dominoes fall. All the pieces of the puzzle fall into place together. And the beautiful picture of what God has done emerges. In Yeshua, the Mashiach. Yeshua HaMashiach, the Lamb of God. Because all who believe on Him are saved from judgment. You know, when we see the life of Abraham, we see the patience of God. Let's look at how God used an ordinary man. A man who was not perfect, and yet God still worked with him and called him to a wonderful calling. A calling that blessed the entire world. Let's look now at the life of Abraham. Last week we covered the first nine verses. We're going to cover them again. There's things we need to learn, so let's briefly look at them again. So beginning in chapter 12, verse 1, very briefly as we go through these first nine again, it says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make your name great. And you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Now, Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Remember that. He was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions and all they had gathered and all the people that they had acquired who, who joined them to serve them and be part of their community in Haran. And they departed to go to the land of Canaan, what well, today is modern day Israel. And so they came to the land of Canaan, verse 6. Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as the terebinth tree of Moreh. And the Canaanites were then in the land. Verse 7 then, Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord to give thanks to him. The Lord who had appeared to him, Verse 8 then continues, and he moved from there to the mountain east of Beit El, Bethel as you would say it in English, Beit El, the place of God, and he pitched his tent with Beit El on the west and Ai on the east, and there he built an altar to the Lord, giving thanks to the Lord again for his faithfulness, and he called on the name of the Lord. Verse 9, so Abram journeyed going on down toward the south more. Now, let's talk about those real quickly before we get into the rest of the verses and finish this chapter up today. God called Abraham to go to Canaan. Isn't that what he said in the first verses there? Get out of the land of Ur of the Chaldeans, leave your country, leave your father, leave your family, and go to the land that I will show you. God called him to go to Canaan. Acts chapter 7 Stephen, when he's recounting the history of the Tanakh and the Torah, says that Abraham got that call in Ur of the Chaldeans. So we know from Acts chapter 7 that he had been in Ur of the Chaldeans before he had gone to Haran. In fact, the very first verse in this chapter said, now God had called Abram. And he said he called him to this other country. When it says he had called him, that means that that had happened before the things in the last few verses of chapter 11, the previous chapter in the book of Genesis. The reason why I say that is because in chapter 11, Abram's father took Abram and Lot and Abram's wife Sarai, and he took them with them and left Ur of the Chaldeans, and then they went to Haran. But something happened there. Terah, being an older guy, I don't know if it was just because he was now advanced in years and maybe he wasn't feeling so good. Maybe he was tired. Maybe he just looked around and said, I think I'll just settle here. But whatever it was, he didn't go any further. He stayed there for a long, long time. In fact, Abram stayed there for a long, long time. And that's the first problem that we see, you see. That's the first problem in what's going on here. Because God, before they came to Huron, it says, both in Acts 7 and recounting that history, and also in the first verses of chapter 12, as we read today, God told Abram to leave Ur of the Chaldeans and to go to a place that he would show them. But then we see that he stopped in Haran, which is not Canaan. Is not Canaan. In fact, it's not so far from or of the Chaldeans. It's kind of local to that region, to that area there, you see. So they really didn't leave the country so much. They certainly didn't go to Canaan. But then after they were there, something happened. And year after year passed by, and Abram didn't continue his journey to go to Canaan. Now that's a problem, isn't it? You see where I'm going with this? Because God told him, get out of your country, leave your father's house. And here he is in that country with his father still. Oh, they went to a different city, but they did not go to the land that Abram was supposed to go to, to Canaan. God told him to leave his father's house. God told him to leave his country. Well, he traveled. And just like some people today, he said, well, I'll do what God said, but I'll start out just to show God how He can trust me to do what He wants. I'm His man. I'll do whatever He wants. And then he goes forward, but after a while, he kind of forgets about the calling of God. And he did take his father, and God said not to take his father. Now, we really don't know what happened there, It might have been because Terah, his father, was older. Might have been because he had been sick. Might have been because he was just stubborn and he refused to go and he wanted to live there at Haran. But Abram didn't leave his father. And God told him to leave his father's house. And so here's Abram waiting in a holding pattern, being delayed year after year after year after year. What about that calling of God? We give Abram credit that he left Ur of the Chaldeans. We give him credit that God told him to do something and he started to do it. He did half of it. He left to go somewhere, but on his way there, he just got sidetracked. And a lot of people today get sidetracked from the calling of God. God calls them to do something. You know where I'm going with this. God calls them to do something. But before long... They think other things have come up. Oh, well, this has come up, though, and now I can't continue my call. There's a problem here, and and I've got to do this, or I've got an opportunity with this job. I can stop. I can work in this job. I don't want to go over there like God said. I'll work in this job. I'll save up a lot of money, and then later I'll go over there like God said. And then I'll have money to support myself in everything. You're thinking in human reasoning. And human reasoning is not God's reasoning. Remember, in the book of Isaiah, God said, my ways are higher than your ways, says the Lord, as the heavens are above the earth, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts, as the heavens are above the earth. So when you come up with the thought in your human, fleshly, mortal mind, how is that what God wants to do? It's better to simply obey God it's better to obey God without having to understand it all without adding your own things to the plan without taking God's plan and trying to change it to where you like it better or to where you feel safer, or to where you feel more secure and like things are better organized with your plan and the changes that you've made to the plan of God. Abram was making some changes. He didn't continue on to Canaan. He got sidetracked. And sometimes we get sidetracked. And oh, we're really good. At coming up with excuses aren't we about why we got sidetracked well god i'm sure you'll understand there's some things i have to do here if i can stop here for a while and everything and the girls say and maybe i'll find a husband here maybe a guy who's not married says maybe i'll find a wife here because then that way i won't be alone when i travel well if god called you when you were alone Why don't you just go forward on that calling in whatever condition you were in when God called you? If he wants to bring you someone else, that's fine. He'll do it. And oh, by the way, when he does it, it'll be the right person. It won't be someone that you just thought was the right person. Because his thoughts are higher than your thoughts as the heavens are above the earth. His ways are higher than your ways as the heavens are above the earth. God knows the future. Did you ever think about that? You don't know the future. You don't know how things are going to work out. You don't know what problems are going to come about. God called Abram to leave his father's house. And he didn't. He took his father with them. And now he's stuck for years and years and years in Haran. Supposed to be in Canaan. But I want you to know something. Even though... Abram delayed. Later after his father Terah died in Haran, God then spoke to Abram again and he told him again to go to Canaan. That's interesting to me. You know, most of us would have said, well, here I am again. You ignored me the first time. I told you to do this. No, you didn't do that. You did this instead. You thought you were smarter. So you stayed there. You did this. You delayed. And now look, it's what happened and everything. We wasted all those years and years and years upon years. All because you thought you had a better idea. God didn't say that to Abram. God didn't act judgmental at all to Abram. After all those years, when his father died... God simply came to Abram again and told him again, okay, now go to Canaan. That's the patience of God. That's the love of God. The patience of God, not to condemn you, but to use you. And during all those years that you've been waiting, all those years that wasted, Abram didn't simply obey God. He ignored God, it seems like, but he was probably wondering where God was. No doubt as he was there in Haran, there were trials that came up over those years and years that he was in Haran, and no doubt he prayed to God and for deliverance from those trials, and he wondered why God didn't seem to be answering him in those trials. He didn't seem to be blessing the plans that Abram had for his own life. God had originally told him what to do. He wanted Abram to go back and do the first things first. God didn't leave you. You left God. Go back to where you left God and do the things that he asked you to do at first. Put his things in the priority in your heart and do the things he's called you to. You see, God wanted Abram To simply obey his commands. To simply obey his instructions. To go to the land of Canaan. Simply obey Abraham. That's what God was saying. Now in the same way, there's people today. Some of you might be one of them. I'll go out on a limb here. Some of you are some of these people who are not in the place where God has called you to be. You're not in the place that God's called you to be, and you know it. God called you to do something, and you didn't do it. You might have started out, and you might have had great hopes when you started out. Some of you didn't even start out. But after a while, you just forgot about it all. After a while... You just forgot that God had called you there and you put it out of your mind and you tried to do other things. You had plans for your own life. You thought you knew what would make you happiest the best. Oh, were you wrong? Oh, yeah. We're always wrong when we trust our own nature, when we trust our own so-called human wisdom. You say, well, God gave us a brain. He wanted us to use it. Well, actually, see, that's the problem is He gave you a brain that you use instead of faith in your heart, trusting Him with life. You're not obeying God if you don't do the things He's called you to do. If you don't go to where He's told you to go, if you don't do what He's told you to do, you're not obeying God. After a while, you begin to wonder where God's blessing is in your own life. And why He's not answering your prayers? Oh, He's still there. Exactly where you left Him, waiting patiently for you to return and simply obey and do what He told you to do at first. You can't take that second step because you never took the first step. You can't run until you first walk. God knows what He's doing. You need to simply obey God. And then at exactly the right time, the next step will come and you'll have the peace and the confidence inside knowing that you're in the Lord's will, doing what He's told you to do. You're doing what He asked you to do. You're obeying God. So pray, and then seek wisdom from God's Word to make sure that it's God that's telling you this. He will never tell you to do anything contrary to His Word, so you check it out. You make sure, but you take the initiative to pray, And then seek wisdom in God's word and pray for wisdom. And then simply obey. Simply obey. You'll know that it's God who's talking to you if it agrees with his word. God never goes against his word. It says in the Tanakh, in fact, that God honors his word above all his name. So see what his word says and then simply obey. Simply obey. Now we get on with the next verses in chapter 12. And here's where we're going to go on through these 10 verses or so and finish this chapter up real quickly. It says in verse 10 as we continue on, Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to dwell there, for the famine was severe in the land. Verse 11 then continues, And it came to pass when he was close to entering Egypt that he said to Sarai his wife, Indeed, I know that you're a woman of beautiful countenance. He was saying, you're beautiful. And then verse 12, therefore, it will happen when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife and they'll kill me, but they'll let you live. He'll kill me to try to get to you. So verse 13 says, please tell them that you're my sister so that it may be well with me and I'll be safe for your sake and that I may live because of you. So it was when Abram came into Egypt that the Egyptians saw the woman, that she was very beautiful. The princes of Pharaoh also saw her and commended her, recommended her, if you will, to Pharaoh, to Paro is how we say it in Hebrew, Paro. And then the woman was taken to Paro's house. And Paro treated Abram well for her sake. He had sheep, oxen, Male donkeys, male and female servants, female donkeys, camels, all of these things you see Paro, the king of Egypt, had given to Abram in exchange for his wife, thinking it was Abram's sister. But look at what happened in verse 17. But the Lord plagued Paro and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. Now Paro called Abram it says in verse 18 and said what is this that you've done to me why did you not tell me that she was your wife why did you say she is my sister I might have taken her as my wife now therefore here is your wife take her and get out of here go your way so Paro commanded his men concerning Abram and they sent him away and his wife and all that he had This is another time now, a second time, where we're seeing Abram is not trusting God. Again in these verses, look how messed up things got when Abram followed his own instincts, his own thoughts, instead of simply obeying God. Here's what I mean. God didn't tell him to go to Egypt. God told him to go to Canaan. It didn't matter that there was a famine in the land. God would provide for Abram. He can make food from the rocks. He can make bread from the rocks of the earth. If Abram had simply obeyed God. But Abram didn't only have just that problem. He told his wife to lie. There's a verse in the book of Proverbs in the Tanakh that says, God hates deception of any kind. Now, I know there's some of you, maybe Orthodox Jews, maybe Christians too, that feel like the end justifies the means. In other words, you can do any kind of sin you want as long as you end up in the right place. That's not what God says. God says he hates deception of any kind. If you're trying to be a spy for the Lord, well, guess what? God hates deception. Of any kind. God doesn't have any secret agents. He doesn't want you to be a secret agent and not tell people about his Mashiach and his salvation in his son Yeshua HaMashiach. He wants you to tell them. He doesn't want you to be a secret agent. He doesn't want you to deceive people into thinking that you're somebody else that, and you're not really a believer trying to save yourself from being persecuted. The prophets of God. The apostles of God, early Christians, were all persecuted. The righteous Jews were all persecuted for their faith in God. You see, the real test in your faith is not when everyone thinks well of you and everyone else believes and you're around other people just like you who believe in the same God. No, the real test is when you're around others who need to know about your God And then you take the stand and you tell them, knowing that you'll be persecuted because of it. And maybe even persecuted to the point of losing your life. What Abram did was he devised a plan to deceive. He told his wife to deceive. He told her to lie. Now, why is he doing this? He doesn't yet know God enough to know that God cares for him. God brought him all the way to the land of Canaan, all the way through it, and now down to the south part of Canaan. And he's facing the border with Egypt there. God's been faithful in carrying him through all of this way and blessed him and multiplied his possessions and the people who had joined his company. He now had all these people surrounding him, a community of people. That were loyal to him, that served him, and he took care of them and provided for them. And God caused all that to happen. And now, for some reason, Abram's afraid. He's afraid that God probably won't provide for him or or God can't protect him against all these Egyptians and they might steal his wife and they might kill him to get to her. And come on, Abram, what are you thinking? Remember the faithfulness of God? Well, he can care for you now, too, as you go down into Egypt. But again, we are confronted with the fact that God didn't call Abram to Egypt, called him to Canaan, didn't call him to Haran, he called him to Canaan, you see? And Abram is using his own thoughts, his own logic, that brain that God gave him instead of trusting God. Now, you can use your heart. And you can use your brain to worship God and seek God and give all your cares and problems to God. But don't use your brain to try to replace God because it won't work. You'll mess up every time. And that's exactly what happened here. This almost caused the king of Egypt and Sarai to bring sin and judgment on all of the land and all of the people, including Abram's people. It was the mercy of God to inflict the people and the land of Egypt to keep the king from sinning so God wouldn't have to do a severe punishment against the people. And in the end, it was pretty humiliating for Abram. Here he was, the man of God, the friend of God, in a pagan land, being caught lying and deceiving by a pagan king who had to rebuke this man of God for lying. No, the ends are not justifying the means. You do the right thing, and God will justify you. That's how it works. You do the right thing, and God will justify you. But here this pagan king rebukes Abram, kicks him out of the land, and Abram left in shame and returned to the place where God called him. Remember what we said? If you find that you're in the wrong place and you're not doing what God said, go back to the place where you left him. Do the first things first. Simply obey. Even in the famine, God would protect Abram and provide for him. It's always better to trust in God than it is to trust in yourself and other men. But notice that Abram did the right thing in the end. He returned to the place that God told him to be. And in the same way, when you find yourself out of the will of God, ask God for forgiveness and then return to the place where you left him and report for duty, willing at last to do the thing that God had asked you to do. Simply obey God. Now, as we think about this chapter, it was a short chapter, and just want to kind of say that Here's what I'm trying to say today. When God calls, answer the calling. Simply obey. When God gives you something to do, don't run from the Lord like Jonah did, remember? He didn't want to go to Nineveh. Simply obey. Don't ignore God and hope He'll forget it and He won't notice. (laughs) Oh, yeah, He will notice and no, He won't forget it. You'll know about it. And in your heart, it'll be haunting you the, all of that time until you return to the place that you left God and you do the thing that He's asked you to do. And you simply obey. But if you repent and you turn to the Lord, God will forgive you. And He'll give you a new start without any condemnation, just like He did Abraham, without any condemnation, without any judgment. He will begin using you again just as if it never happened. Simply obey. When God shows you what He wants you to do, simply obey the Lord. Your life will not be greatly blessed and your spiritual growth will not thrive until you return and do the first things first. Here's what I'm saying. God has a plan for your life. And it's a wonderful plan. planned plan to give you a hope and a future. Just let Him take your life to where it needs to be. He knows what He's doing. He loves you greatly. He longs to care for you and watch over you as His child. He knows the future. So He knows where to place you today so that you'll be safe tomorrow. Go back and do the first things first. You take that first step. Then God will have that second step ready for you. Pray. Seek wisdom in the Word of God. And then simply obey. Now, next week, we're going to be in chapter 13. It's going to be an amazing chapter. You don't want to miss this. If you're Israeli, if you're Jewish and you care about Israel, this is the very chapter in chapter 13 where God gives the title deed to Abram for the land of Canaan, which today is Israel. You don't want to miss it. Bring a friend. I'll see you then. Now, today, what are you going to do with this? What are you going to do with what you've heard? What are you going to do with your life more specifically? Why don't you give your life to God right now, today? You know, if you call out to Him, He'll hear that cry and He'll answer you. He'll rescue you from the darkness that you're in and He'll shine His light on your heart and you'll be given newness of life. He'll change you into a new person throw all those past failures away, you'll be made completely new, given a new start, and He'll give you everlasting life in heaven. That's guaranteed by God Himself. We want to give you an opportunity to believe on Jesus as the Messiah and Lord today and to receive God's peace in your life. You can be saved and given everlasting life in heaven by simply believing that God sent His one and only Son into the world to save us from judgment. You can pray something just like this. You can repeat it after me if you'd like. Just say, God, I do want to know you and have that real peace in my life. I believe on your son. I give my life to you. Thank you, Lord. Now, if you prayed that prayer, God heard you. And he's already started working in your life. You may not feel it yet, but a small seed's been planted deep down in your heart. And over time, you'll begin to see the wonderful changes that God's making in your heart. Get in a good Bible-based church. Learn about Him in His Word and talk to Him every day in prayer. He's going to do amazing things in your life.